Psalm 85, for the lead player, for the Korahites, a psalm. You favored, O Lord, your land. You restored the condition of Jacob. You forgave your people's crime. You covered all their offense, Salah. You laid aside your all your wrath. You turned back from your blazing fury. Turn back, pray, God of our rescue, and undo your anger against us. Will you forever be incensed with us? Will you draw out your fury through all generations? Why, you will again give us life, and your people will rejoice in you. Show us, O Lord, your kindness, and your rescue grant to us. Let me hear what the Lord God would speak when he speaks peace to his people and to his faithful, that they turn not back to folly. Yes, his rescue is near for those who fear him, that his glory dwell in our land. Kindness and truth have met, justice and peace have kissed. Truth from the earth will spring up as justice from the heavens looks down. The Lord indeed will grant bounty, and our land will grant its yield. Justice before him goes, that he set his footsteps on the way. Psalm 85 starts with um, a remembrance of a time past. Uh, it says, you favored, O Lord, your land. You restored the condition of Jacob. Uh, this is um, referencing something that happened in the past. We don't know exactly what, but there are many times when God has favored uh, Israel. And, and um, so it could have been any one of those times, perhaps looking back um, to the Exodus when, uh, uh, you know, God brought back um, his people into the promised land that um, the patriarchs had left. And it says, you restored the condition of Jacob. Um, the commentary, uh, Robert Alter's commentary mentions that uh, this is the same verb that is used of God restoring Job back to his um, former um, state at the beginning of the book, you know, at the end of the book of Job, but he was returned to where he was the, the beginning with more. And uh, this is the idea then of um, you restored the condition of Jacob. It means you put it all back right. Whatever it was, it got messed up. And then God steps in and, and restores it. Um, and then, um, you know, some more things uh, that happened in the past. You forgave your people's crime. You covered their offense. You laid aside all your wrath. You turned back from your blazing fury. And this turned back is, is used many times. In the psalm, if you if you look at it um, or listen to it, you'll see um, turn back, turn back, turn back. So this is all looking back in the past. It says you've done all of these things, and then um, the next um, section says, "Turn back, God of our rescue, and undo your anger against us." And these are exactly the same things that um, the psalmist said has already happened, and he's praying for them to happen. Uh, and there's two ways to read it. Um, I think probably the most uh, natural way is to say, well, since you did this in the past, we're praying that you will do this again in the future um, because we're, again, in a bad state and we want um, to be restored uh, to our former condition. Um, the other way to look at it, um, which is, I don't know how um, reasonable it is, but it it actually works, is to think of it as, um, the psalmist starts by saying, this is what I want to have happen, and now will you do it? And almost 
praying as if it had already happened um, with sort of a, an extreme level of trust that God will do this. Um, sort of like um, when you thank someone in advance before they do something for you when you're about to ask them to do it. Um, so again, we don't know the exact um, time frame of this, uh, either you know, the potential previous um, time when the Lord restored the condition of Jacob and what the context is now for the, the psalmist. Uh, again, there are many times when it seems that God had been angry with um, the people uh, when they needed to be restored. Uh, an obvious point in time is the Babylonian um, exile. Uh, in many ways, the, um, the two exiles, uh, one to Egypt and um, one to Babylon, are some of the most important events uh, in the, in the, um, the Hebrew uh, culture, you know, in the Hebrew history. Um, because there are times when they were taken out of the land and um, and then God later restored them. Um, let's see, there is uh, a really, the ending I think is, is fantastic and has some very, very quotable um, verses, uh, starting with um, uh, kindness and truth have met. And I love this idea that um, you know, kindness and truth are in sort of, in some ways, an opposite, opposite um, ideas. Uh, it's the idea of if someone says, uh, do I look good in this? And maybe the truthful thing is no. And the kind uh, thing to say is yes. And so kindness and truth are sometimes opposed to each other. Um, and this verse is saying they've met. So they've come together. They uh, have found some sort of agreement and then the next one is is even more vivid. Justice and peace have kissed, and kissed obviously is an incredibly um, intimate um, idea. And this is not necessarily a you know sort of a romantic kiss between a husband and a wife necessarily. Um, kisses were uh, often used between um, close friends, um, for instance, uh, with no you know erotic connotation at all, just a, um, a way of greeting each other. Um, like a handshake, except obviously more intimate, maybe more like a hug. Uh, or <laughs> if you um, uh, see in in um, in Hollywood, you'll often see um, people who give each other kisses, and uh, I find it a little strange. Um, but they're not really kisses; it's just sort of kissing next to uh, you know next to your your cheek. I guess that also happens in Latin American countries uh, that I've been to, um, which is outside of my culture. Um, anyway, this is all a sidetrack from the real point of justice and peace have kissed. And again, justice and peace are often um, opposites. If, um, if there's an injustice being done, um, often the solution is you have to go and disrupt um, the status quo, um, because often justice is done by uh, establishment or institutions, and they need to be shaken up, and uh, that's at a opposition to peace. Um, but when justice and peace have, have kissed, that means there is um, a grouping, you know, sort of a, a meeting between them. They've they've come together, and um, uh, and it's a sign of of sort of a greater, um, you know, a greater thing has happened because there is no 
injustice. There is no um, acrimony if justice and peace have kissed. And then uh, there's another image that's along the same lines, um, kind of combining the two of them together. Truth from the earth will spring up and justice from the heavens look down. And um, again, this is another like reaching from both directions, the truth from the earth and justice from the heavens. Uh, there's almost a, a platonic idea here of the grittiness of the earth, the kind of messiness, the ugliness that sometimes happens here in the real physical world and uh, justice from heavens, which is sort of an ideal that gets imposed. And it doesn't always fit right because um, reality just doesn't match um, justice. Uh, in many in many situations, it doesn't match the ideal um, way for people to live. Um, I mentioned a couple of days ago about how um, justice um, in the Bible seems to be um, part of how God created the earth. It's intrinsic to the way the earth is created. And it's one of the reasons why we feel that there's something very, very wrong with our situation um, because we don't match um, the ideal of justice. Uh, and then it says the Lord will grant bounty and our land will grant its yield. And so um, the connection with truth in the earth and the land, uh, there's sort of a chiasm where those are on the outside, truth from the earth and uh, the land will grant its yields. This is something that's coming from the earth, growing up. And then in the middle, as justice from the heavens looks down, the Lord indeed will grant his bounty. This is something from above coming down and being given freely um, or, you know, that's in the case of the Lord indeed granting his bounty. And then there's yet another image of justice before him goes that he sets his footsteps on the way. And this is a very remarkable thing because it seems to imply that God isn't deciding where to step. In fact, justice goes before him, lays out uh, where God has to step, and then God follows justice. And uh, I believe this is absolutely true, that we think of God as omnipotent, meaning he can do anything he wants. He could do um, whatever he feels like doing, and that's not necessarily the case because he can't lie. He can't do injustice. He can't be evil. Uh, um, those things are constrained for him, uh, according to the, the biblical understanding. And, and so... Um, if justice goes before and lays out his footsteps, God can't choose to step somewhere else. Uh, he has to follow um, where justice is going. And, um, and of course, this is all in the context of an appeal for um, the Lord to restore back um, the people of Israel to their former state. Uh, anyway, it's just a fascinating, uh, fascinating psalm. Uh, it gets very philosophical very quickly uh, we see some of the techniques of um, uh, parallel passages, and, and there's a chiasm in here that I identified, and um, it's uh, it's just a it's a wonderful um, you know the idea of the past tense and how does the how's the past tense being used? Is it um, to remind God of something that happened in the past, or is it a sign of extreme faith that um, the thing that's being asked for will will be true, and we can speak of it in the past. Uh, anyway, just a really deep, um, dense, enjoyable psalm to read. Uh, I've quoted um, some of the um, verses out of context, I suppose, uh, because they're so fantastic. 
And now I'm going to have to spend some more time considering this psalm. Um, and in the meantime, I will uh, start reading the next psalm. And, and when I'm done, I will um, talk to you then. <laughs>